Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. So I just want to welcome everybody this morning. So excited to be here. And uh, we want to jump right into it. Amen. So uh, if you have your Bibles with me, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. I I didn't have a handout prepared today. I'm going to keep you on your toes. And uh, I want to share a a word and a message this morning that I really felt um, the Lord was so, so moving upon. It really confirmed uh, this morning in worship as well. Um, but yeah, we, I want to talk to you about a very interesting passage in the Bible. I don't know if many of you have heard of it. I didn't really, wasn't really familiar with it. Um, I've always kind of heard about it, but never really studied it. But, um, but I came across it, Joshua chapter 9. It's a story about a group of people called the Gibeonites. Has anybody ever heard of the Gibeonites? For a long time, I, I didn't really understand what this passage was about, but as I really read it, it's really interesting. And it talks about there was a time in Israel's history where there was a, a Gibeonite uh, deception, if you will, against Joshua and God's people. And I want to explore that this morning. I, I had read this word. I kind of stumbled on it last week, and um, it kind of is you know, one of those things you're reading through the Bible, but it just kind of sticks with you. When preparing... The message this week, uh, earlier this week, I was, I was seeking God, and I was like, Lord, just pressing in, Father, what are you saying to the house this morning? What are you saying? What, what's the word of the Lord? And, and uh, he began to speak to me very clearly. He said, I want you to speak about the Gibeonite deception. I want, to th- I want you to speak about the Gibeonite deception. And as I just kind of began to press in with the Lord, I, I felt like the Lord was saying that, that there's, a, there's a need to be aware <laughs> Not to be, you know, alarmed or fearful, but there is a need to be aware. It's healthy. It's healthy to be aware and paying attention of things that can so easily entangle us and just get us turned every which way. So I, I, I kind of want to share um, some, some of the insights that I've learned about that and about the Gibeonites. Uh, so, Lord, just, just let's bow to our heads. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would just begin to heighten, heighten your word. Open our understanding, Lord. Ephesians 1 and 16, 17 says that if we ask you, you would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jesus, I ask you right now, would you give the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open our understanding, to open our insight? to connect us to your heart this morning, to hear your word, to hear your voice. Father, I pray that no man would see me, no woman would see me today, that they would not hear me, Father, but that they would only see and hear you. I pray any hindrance would be completely removed, and Father, that the word of the Lord would run swiftly through this house, that it would be an anchor for our soul, that it would be provision to our spirit, that it would be life-giving to our lives, Father. So, Lord, we thank you right now, and I just pray that you would add weight, clarity to everything that's shared today, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to I talk to you today about 
the Gibeonites. It's almost every time you say it, you just got to roll it off. The Gibeonites. Gibeonites. So in Joshua chapter 9, we're going to read a little bit, but basically what's happening is, you know, they came over into the land, right? There's a conquest. Joshua and Israel are marching with millions of people. They have the ark of God, the presence of God, and they go into the land. And they take down Jericho. Rather, right, God brings the walls down. They destroy and ransack that city. Ai is next. Ai is destroyed. And there's momentum building in Joshua and Israel's camp. There's momentum building. And so what's happening is other nations begin to become afraid. They, they begin to say, look, there's a different group coming. There's a different uh, new sheriff on the block, if you will. And they're coming into our territory. And they become frightened. And so that's where we want to pick up in Joshua 9. I just want to kind of just narrate this. It says, now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country and the western foothills, those in the entire coast of the great sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Amorites, Jebusites, they all came together to make war. I want you to notice that. They all came together to make war. There was a confederation there was an alignment. There was a pact, if you will, to come and make war against Israel. However, hmm, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho in Ai, they resorted to a ruse. What does that mean? They resorted to a ruse. means they, they're going to trick Joshua. They, they're going to trick them. Instead of Instead of joining the league and confederation that were going to whoop their tails, they were a little bit more cunning than that. And they said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do a trick on them. We're going to try to trick them. So it says they went as a delegation. Hebrew word for delegation is actually ambassador. They went as ambassadors. What is an ambassador? You think of U.S. embassies overseas, right? An ambassador is somebody, legal authority who represents that nation in that foreign territory, a diplomat, if you will. So they come very diplomatic. Oh, they come very, very cunning and eloquent in their speech. They come as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks, old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men wore pat sandals on their feet. They wore old clothes and all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Yeah, these Gibeonites. Title of today's message is watch out for those Gibeonites. You got to watch out for those Gibeonites. It says they went to Joshua in the camp. They went in the camp at Gilgal and said to him, men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, now make a treaty with us. You see, why did they do it? What are they doing? They're coming there because they want to make a peace treaty. They know they can't beat them. So they said, we're going we're gonna to get them to make a, a peace treaty with them. We're going to get them to make peace with us. And so the men of Israel said to them, perhaps you live near. Perhaps you live near to us. How then can we make a, a treaty with you? You get that? Ha. They were on to it, weren't they? They're starting to sniff it out. Do you see that? They were real close. They started to sniff it out. They said, what? 
How do we know that you're from far away? Look at what they say, verse 8. We're your servants. We're here to serve you. Got to watch out for those Gibeonites. We got your back. We're here to serve you and your calling and your purpose. We're here to serve your benefit. Joshua said, but who are you and where do you really come from? He said, look, your servants have come from very, very far away, distant country. And because of the fame oh, of the Lord your God. Now, now what's coming? A little bit of flattery, huh? A little bit of buttering the biscuit. That's what you call buttering the biscuit. Come on. Because of the fame of your God. All of a sudden, they're interested in their God. We have heard reports of him and all that he did in Egypt and, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, Sihon and King Heshbon, Og and King of Bashan. And all of our elders, all those living in the country said to us, take provision on your journey. Hey, we're your servants. Now make treaty with us. Make peace with us. Look, this bread, yes, it was warm when we packed it up. It was warm when we picked it up from Panera Bread. It was fresh. Come on. But now, look, we come to you, and it's stale, and it's moldy. What are you talking about, Joshua? You mean, what do you mean? We live right next door. We've been far away. Look at this bread. What about your clothes? How about, how about the clothes and our, and our wineskins, Joshua? We just pulled them off. We just didn't pull them off the rack at Target. We've been walking a long ways. It's been a distant, hard journey. I mean, look at these clothes, how old they are. Listen, yesterday I was working like a Hebrew slave out there cutting grass. And I don't know about y'all, but I sweat. I mean, I sweat. Start thinking about it, I'm going to start sweating right now. <laughs> and you know what usually follows perspiration is not usually a pleasing smell. And so my clothes yesterday, when I got home, I was like, good God, I can't even stand to be around me because it just stinks so bad. And I tried to imagine, what was it like to put on these old, nasty clothes just to pull off something and fool somebody? The enemy will go to great extent. Because he just wants to have a little bit of peace in your life. My God. Look what he says. He says, uh, and our clothes and sandals are worn out by the long journey. But here's the paramount verse, verse 14. Then the men of Israel sampled. They sampled the provisions. They sampled the provisions of the Gibeonites. And they did not inquire of the Lord. They did not inquire of the Lord. And then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Became a law now, because now they, 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 they seemed right, everything seemed good, everything felt right, everything lined up right, everything was aligned perfectly. They made a, ratif a ratification, a, a law about it. Now we can't touch these people. We're going to have peace with them. Three days after they made the treaty. Look, look what happens. Verse 16. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living right near them. And so the Israelites set out on the third day and came into their cities, Gibeon, Kephra, Beeroth, Kirith-Jerim. 
because the Israelites did not attack them, because the leaders of the assembly had now sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of their Israel. You need to watch out for those Gibeonites. They made a peace treaty with them. Do, do you know, you, we don't understand the havoc, the, 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 the devoration, the, the hardship and the trials that the nation had to go through later on in life because of this peace treaty. One example happens in David's rule. When King David is king, this is five, six hundred years later, there's an issue. A famine comes on the land for three years. There's no produce. There's no agricultural. There's no water. There's no food. People are starving. David is like, man, have I done something wrong? He seeks the Lord. You know what the Lord says? It's because Saul, your predecessor, violated the peace covenant that Joshua made with the Gibeonites. I've had to bring a curse on the land. You see, these, these Gibeonites, they didn't want money. They didn't want all, all those kind of, they just wanted to live with them. They just wanted to be at peace. They just wanted to hang out. There's a lot of things that just want to hang out with us. There's a lot of people that just want to hang out with you. But a lot of times you don't know what's lurking on the inside. You see, this morning I want to tell you that there's two types of warfare. There's two types of warfare. There's a warfare that there's a head-on attack. It's a frontal attack. It's an assault, right? Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've been in confrontation meetings and tensions are rising in the environment, maybe your home, maybe your work. And you can see where the handwriting on the wall, there's going to be a confrontation meeting. It's like, you know, something's going down. Get my earrings off and, you know, like the females and the mamas and, you know, they're just going, that's going to go down. It's a head-on attack, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's warfare. Amber, don't do that. But then there's another type of warfare, one that is a lot more dangerous. It's a lot more dangerous. It's a lot more harder to discern and detect. It's, a, it's so much more challenging to be able to sort through what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong, what is holy, what is not pure. It's hard sometimes to see through that line. That's the type of warfare that caught Israel right here. It's the warfare of deception. It's the warfare of deception. What is deception? Deception is wearing a mask. It's wearing a mask. It's pretending to be someone you're not and to be, pretend to have something that you don't have. That's what deception does. And, and the enemy employs deception in every area of our life. Every area, not just in people, but in situations, things we entertain. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, my God, if we're not really seeking the Lord, then what happens? We come deceived. We get deceived. And we enter into an agreement, and we empower things that we have no business empowering. You know what happened after they made this agreement right after? The, the, the other nations heard about the Gibeonites, how they pulled that off. They got mad at them. So they went to war with the Gibeonites, the other pagan kings. You know what the Gibeonites did? I don't have my phone. You know what they did? They took out that iPhone and they were like, yo, Joshua, oh, remember that peace deal we just made? <laughs> remember that treaty we just made? You got to come and fight for us. 
And so now God's people have to go fight battles that they don't even have no business being engaged in. Because they've done made treaties in places and befriended people, my goodness, that they shouldn't have befriended. Watch out for those Gibeonites. You got to watch out for those Gibeonites. They lied through their teeth, didn't they? God, they lied through their teeth. Now, they'll give some truth, partial truth, covered and concealed, but they were lying. Look at that bread, huh? Look at that. That bread was so moldy and old. Oh, Joshua, what are you talking about? Man, we've been on a long journey. So let me talk about these Gibeonites. who, Who are these people? You know, they're not even really Gibeonites. They're people of Gibeon. You know who they really were? They're the people called the Hivites. Hivites. They were the Havites. They were a branch off the Canaanites and the Amorites. Let me tell you a little bit about this people, just a few moments. The Hebrew biblical term for Havites is the people of the village or the villagers. The people of the village or the villagers. Now, ancient Jews, back in this time, believed something about people who were of the village or the villagers. And they believed that they were a people who had limited vision. Why, why, why would they, what's the connection? Because people of the village, remember they lived in four villages. They weren't part of a bigger nation. They were people with small vision and a narrow perspective. You see, there's a spiritual Gibeonite that comes into your life. And these are folks that often come into your life and they have a narrow perspective. And they have a limited vision. Because they are too concerned about their own vision and their own destiny, their own purpose, that they fail to be connected to the larger narrative called the church. They're cliquish, tribal, they're groupish. Do you see what I'm saying? They run like that. They, they, they come around that they have a narrow vision and a narrow perspective of what God really wants to do. And so he's saying, look, beware the Gibeonites. Why? Because if you align yourself to people who have little tiny vision and little tiny perspective of what God wants to do, then you'll never access the full potential. You'll never be able to walk into your full destiny and your identity. And that's how the enemy does. He, He presents you, my goodness, he presents you with friends, boyfriends, oh God, girlfriends. He presents you with job opportunities that look so good. But in the end, it's a masquerade. It's smoke and mirrors. It's Gibeonites. you got to be able to see through those things. So these are folks that have a hard time appreciating who you are because they can't see the true value you carry in the kingdom. They tolerate you rather than celebrate you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm not alone. These are folks that really don't care about the call and the destiny on your life. They say they will, my goodness. They say they're there. They, wow, you got an amazing call on your life, man. <laughs> this is, a, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yo, I'm your servant. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to follow you. But in the meantime, they really don't care. They don't care what's really going on. They're looking for something. They want to make peace. Why? So they can have a position in your life. You got to watch out for those Gibeonites. They're slick and they're slippery. And that's a warfare. That's a warfare that, that, that comes to us all. 
And I felt the Lord wanted to remind us, these are folks that don't give you the best counsel. Because their counsel and their advice will usually pull you away what God is calling you to do. It, it, will, it, will, it will pull you in another direction. Now look, come on, guys. You guys are smart. This ain't like, you know, the devil's not going to announce himself. Hello? I'm the devil. <laughs> kind of get you now. <laughs> he said, no, he's not going to do that. Come on, you guys. He, 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 he comes real slick and nice. And he comes to show you a, another way. Or just, just comes to pull you over here, nudge you a little bit. He gives those nudges, those little boys. Why are you with them folks? Do you really need to read the Bible every day? Every day you need to read the Bible? You mean, you mean you go to that church? You, what, you, you, you do that. Why? You don't need to do that. Come on over here. Do you see how that works? And so the Lord, he wants us to be aware of those things. How can you sniff a Gibeonite out? Whew, there's a few ways. They are all about self-preservation. At the center is self. Everything is about self. It's, it's about their benefit, their gain. That's why they'll use you and do all kinds of things. But eventually, it's to build a platform or capitalize or protect them, and, uh, and they'll use you to do it. you got to watch out for those Gibeonites. And I just felt the Lord this morning said, we got to be cautious of who we make friends with sometimes. Oh, Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends wisely. I'm going to say that again. The righteous choose their friends wisely. That means, come on now, we have acquaintances. We have people that we run through every day in life, you know, at work and we're cordial to and we're nice to. But it's talking about, hey, when you start getting into deep friendship and you start opening your life and, and, and likewise and you begin to share things and you begin to have contracts, business or ministry or financial, you begin to engage on that type of level, then you have to be wise. You have to be understanding and discerning who's sitting at your table because if not, you're liable to be deceived through a Gibeonite. And it'll lead you to a place you don't want to go. It'll cause you to have headache, hardships, troubles, and then you'll be fighting battles. You have no need of fighting. Come on. See, the Gibeonites don't push you into the battle. They don't, they don't, they don't come over and intimidate you. I'm going to whip you. I'm not going to whip you, David. But they don't do that. They seduce you into warfare. They seduce you. That's their tactic is seduction. They seduce you. Not just sexually. Economically. They seduce you. Oh, with a great job. They seduce you to go and, 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 and have and do what you want. They seduce you. That's what they did to Joshua. You know what they did, right? Those, those wine sacks, the clothes, the bread. There's five resources. Now, you know I'm big on numbers, right? Five. There's five specific resources. What do they correlate with? The five human senses, taste, touch, sight, hearing, smell, discerning. They were able to pull the wool over Joshua's eyes because they got them not to seek the God, but to rely on something called common sense and human logic. Woo! Are you saying, oh, 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 what are you saying? Common sense is it? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when you put that in the position of inquiring the Lord and seeking God, yes, it is a mistake. Because let me tell you what my Bible says. The heart is desperately deceitful and beyond wickedness. Who can understand it? 
So our human ability to be smart and wise, oh, it's good and God's in it. Sometimes it can be faulty. And it could lead us astray. So we have an all the more responsibility to seek the Lord. See, they, they, they appealed to Joshua's senses. Look, Joshua sampled. They sampled the provisions. They tasted that bread. They felt those clothes. And what did they do? They did the scientific method. You know? Investigate. Examine. Taste. And they made a decision. Logical. You've got to beware. You got to watch out for those Gibeonites. Mm. I want to take it a little bit further. Let me, let me give it to you. Uh, just share this from another example, different perspective. I knew God wanted me to share this message today. It's a different type of message, I know, but I knew God wanted me to share it because I had a dream about it Tuesday night. I had a, I'm going to tell you about this dream. I, I had a dream Tuesday night, and in the dream, I'm in this house. And I don't recognize it. It's a large room, and there's a woman in this room. She's very attractive, and I know in the dream she's trying to be seductive. But it's not so much in the sexual nature. She's just trying to be seductive. And in the dream, there's nothing in this room but a door and a window. A door and a window. And in my dream, it's like she's always moving. I can't, I can't ever, like, just, she's, she's kind of here, there, like, appearing and gone, appearing and gone in different parts of the room. The door and the window are doing the same thing. So the window would shift. It'll leave that, and then it'll go over here, and then it's like just a wall, and it would rotate the door as well. At the end of the dream, I'm actually very close. This woman is like stopped in her tracks. I'm very close to her, and man, I just don't know how to say it, but she was just ugly. I mean, she had hair growing everywhere, very grotesque, and like hair growing where it just doesn't grow on a human body everywhere. It's very follicles, hairy. I mean, it was, just, it was just nasty. And I was just like, oh, my Lord, like, this is real. This is, it felt real. And I woke up, and I'm like, God, what is all that about? And, you know, dreams, school of dreams, the interpretation of dreams. He speaks to us in dreams. This was a warning dream, if you guys remember that from our dream school. And the Lord would say, Mike, I'm giving you a warning dream because I want you to be aware because it's not just you, it's about my body, it's about my bride. We're living in an hour right now where the enemy knows his time is short. He knows his time is short because God is moving in powerful ways. Let me tell you, there's some amazing things happen in the kingdom right now. We are on the brink. I believe it with everything in me of a revival, an awakening, and a spiritual renewal, a new wineskin, a new whole approach to church, the kingdom. There's something, I can feel it, but at the same time, don't you know the devil is ramping up? And he told me, he said, um, he's, he's amping up, and I'm going to give you insight to what he's doing through a dream. And what he's doing is he's getting ready to send an onslaught of Gibeonites. So I want you to warn my people to be aware of people that would come, sheep but wolves inside. And how to discern that, how to recognize it. Not that we can be critical of people. Not that we can be super spiritual or better than, no. So that we don't get tripped up. And so that we don't go into places we don't need going, and the grace and the mercy of God, come on, can rest in our lives. You see, in this dream, let me break it down, windows represent perspective. That's what windows mean in a dream. They represent insight and perspective to see. Doors represent opportunities that you walk through. A step further than that, they represent behavior. So the woman, as you can guess, is the spirit of deception. So how does deception work in our lives? 
What's its purpose? To distort your view. It's to distort your biblical worldview, your view on how you view yourself, how you view other people. Because the enemy knows if he can distort your view, if he can contaminate it, if he can, if he can disrupt it, if he can, if he can dash a little bit of anger and a little bit of bitterness and jealousy in your view of yourself or discontentment or other people, you know what will happen? Then your behavior will change. That's why they're moving in the dream. It's altering. Altering views that lead to altering behavior patterns in our life. Lord said, be careful. Watch out for those Kibionites. Do you see how dangerous this kind of warfare is? It's a, it's a warfare that doesn't outright kill you, but rather it escorts you. It misleads you, and it seduces you into a place of spiritual death where your fire is gone, your passion is gone, your joy is gone, you're, mer- you're just more irritable, you're more merciless against other people, you just, you just get into that place, you're dry, you're weary, and, and, and it just, just drains you spiritually. That's what it does. All the while, it's in the form usually of your best friend, your companion, your business partner, even your spouse could be. And that's how it happens. That's how it comes. Just saying. Let me tell you how, how Jesus viewed these Gibeonites. You know, Jesus viewed the Gibeonites. He talked about them a little bit. Did you know that? He did. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Let me, let me read to you what the Lord said about these Gibeonites. In Matthew 7, 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Not just wolves, but they're ferocious wolves. Watch out. Greek word there is pay attention. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared, but just pay attention. Look, can you imagine that in that setting? Here's Jesus and his disciples in, like, like in a group, and he's saying, and, and the, the false prophets and teachers, and deal, they're over there. He's like, look, just, just watch. Just watch them. Just watch. Just observe what they do. How they, just watch. Watch out for them. Now, let me break down this thing about false prophets. This, this Greek word, false prophets, I, I don't know what you think when you read false prophets. Let me tell you what I think. It, it just comes to my mind. One of the first things that comes to my mind, of course, is a well-dressed business attire, preacher, apostle, self-made, all this kind of stuff that's just going to lead people astray. And, of course, that could be a part of it, but that's not what this is talking about, my God. The Lord, if you break down this thing and study it a little bit deeper, he's talking about it ain't just, it ain't just the super apostles and pastors and preachers. It's anyone and everyone who will hide under the false pretense of Jesus, but yet their inwards and their, their true motives are not for the Lord and they're not for you. In short, anybody, anybody can be a false prophet and false teacher as long as you hide under the name, as long as you wear a mask. He says, but look at it. They're like sheep. <laughs> you know what sheep are like, right? They're like innocent. Oh, we're harmless. We're innocent. We're harmless sheep. We're ignorance. You know, we, we, don't, we don't know anything. We don't know any better. You've been around that some of that things ever happened to you, and you know someone's lying through their teeth, and you done called them, and you see them, and they're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? They play, they play the ignorance card. And so these things happen. The Lord says, be aware of this thing. So what does God do? What does Jesus do for us to protect us? He says, so this is how you tell. 
outside they have the appearance of. So a lot of people will have the appearance of the right words. They'll have the appearance of the right language. They'll have the appearance of holiness. They'll have the appearance of purity. They'll be adopting kids. They'll be looking out for the widow, the orphan, the poor. They'll be laying their lives down for the Lord ministry. They'll have the appearance of good works and good deeds. They'll be able to manifest those things. They'll walk in those things. But the Lord says inside, they're ferocious wolves. Let me tell you something about the enemy. He can manufacture almost everything. Almost everything. My Bible says that he can produce signs and wonders and miracles. Revelation says the false prophet will raise himself from the dead. Resurrection of the dead. That's what Revelation says. The enemy can do every sign and wonder. He can manufacture every sign and wonder. He can manufacture what looks like a good meeting, what looks like a good ministry, what looks like a good anointing. He can manufacture those things. But look what the Lord says. But can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? See, you can't produce love from bitterness. And you can't bring joy out of misery. You can't bring mercy out of hatred for your brother. Inside, it's not right. The devil can manufacture everything, but there's one thing he cannot manufacture. Off limits. And that's love. He can't produce it. He can't produce it. He can't produce love. He can't produce mercy. He can't produce gentleness. He can't produce kindness. Though he'll wrap a smoke screen and mirror all around it. When you get to the root, he cannot love and forgive you. He can't give you mercy. He can't wash your sins away. He can't redeem your life. He can't rescue you. He can't do it. He can't. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And that's why Jesus says, beware. Watch out. Oh, it looks good. Many will prophesy in my name. Many will say this in my name. Drive out demons in my name. But I never knew you. Because you didn't do the will of my Father. I never knew you. You're going to have to get out. I never knew you. What a word, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. Come on. You got you to gotta be able to recognize folks like that because if not, they'll lead you astray. They'll captivate your, your attention and, and, and lead you to places you don't want to go. Three quick things to detect this spiritual Gibeonite. This is the three things that I found. Number one, they have a weak foundation. A weak foundation. That means they have little to no relationship with the Word of God. Have little to no relationship with the Logos, written Word of God. Folks that are not consistent in the Word of God, and they're not consistent in intimacy and spending time with God, not to get something out of it, but just to be, that is one of the primary open doors that deception can come in. It's a weak foundation. We have to be solid in the Word. Come on, guys. We have to know this Bible. We have to be able to store it in our spirits and our souls. we got to push past this place like, oh, I don't understand it. No, you got to get into it. It's got to read you. It's got to live inside. It's got to burn inside of you because it's all right there. He'll tell you everything right there in that Word, and it'll protect you. It'll prevent all these things from happening. Joshua, look, come on. Joshua made two mistakes in his life. Two mistakes. Only two. This is a man that's set in the glory. 
tent of meeting. And when everybody left, he lingered in the presence. He lingered in it. He was a tutor under Moses. He watched the Red Sea divide in half. He watched the kingdoms in the desert fall by the hand of God. He watched manna fall from heaven. He watched shoes never wear out on people's feet. He saw the miraculous and the supernatural daily. He lived it. He breathed it. When he saw the giants in the land with Caleb, he said, we're going in. We're going to take it. He was fearless. But he didn't see the Gibeonites because he failed to inquire of the Lord. Is that not a word for you and me today? It's just, I mean, I know, even, come on, we do, I've done it all the time. I can tell you right now, I've done that all the time. I have made decisions on my logic. Man, this seems right. It sounds right. If you, look, you know what the old saying is? If it walks like a duck, <laughs> if it talks like a duck, I'm sweating now. If it talks like a duck, then it's probably, it's a Gibeonite. <laughs> See? Come on. It's a Gibeonite. Second thing they have is a, is a foundation cracked. I'm going to speed this up. A lot of people are strong in the Word. Some, now, some folks will be strong in the Word. They'll quote the Scripture to you left and right, up and down, sideways, and all around. They'll be prophetic, highly prophetic, prophesy, all kinds of good stuff like that. But, but what happened is somewhere along the way in their spiritual development, they sat under wrong teaching. And when that got under that wrong teaching, it was like cancer. And what that happens is it erodes your foundation. And so if that is never detected, then it alters your perspective. It alters your behavior. So a lot of times, you're, you're always in this cycle of never breaking through, of never accessing the fullness of God over your life, and you always seem to have a problem with somebody else. That's how it, that's how it happens. I'll give you an example without going in is grace. Many, many preachers today, many things, you know, there's so many views on grace now. You know, grace is like on one hand, people are saying, well, you know, there's great, oh man, you know, we use grace as a license to sin. We can use grace and do what we want to do, basically. Because we're under grace. We're not under the law. We're under grace. That sounds good, doesn't it? We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. So what if I sleep with that woman and I'm not married? It's okay. God's going to forgive me. I can, go, I can go gamble. I can go just spend my kids' college money on, on this, that, and the other. It's okay. I'm, I'm under grace. It's a wrong view of the scripture. Because if you read when Jesus put the smack down and the Beatitudes about grace, he said, look, the law is here. If you commit adultery, if you do these things, these acts, then you're guilty. But grace says, if you think about them, you're guilty. Which one's more higher standard to keep? See that? So that's why it has to be received. It's nothing we can do. It's grace is not an empowerment to sin. Grace is an empowerment to live a holy life, to extend and transcend this human body and bringing the kingdom of God into the earth wherever we go. Third thing is hurts and wounds. Here's a big one. Self-deception usually enters into the wounds and hurts from the church. People that have been hurt and wounded from churches, organizations, nonprofits, they say we forgive them. We say we bless them. We say that they're, they're okay. There's nothing in our hearts against them. But come on, people. You know deep down inside they're still offended. And there's still something deep inside that prevents them from being part of the bigger picture. 
hurts and wounds. Paul talked about these Gibeonites in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, verses 4. Look what Paul said about the Gibeonites. For such men are false apostles of Christ, deceitful workmen, masquerading. Look at that. Masquerading. Masquerading as apostles of Christ. Come on, man. They're, they're coming. They're not coming to announce their, hey, I'm a false prophet. Come join my group. Come, come join my. They're not doing that. They're putting on their costume. They're putting on their smile. They're putting on their prophetic costume. They're putting on their preacher costume. They're putting on their teacher costume. They're putting on whatever kind of costume. They're not putting on a demon costume. They're not putting on an evil spiritual costume so you can recognize. No. They're masquerading. The devil says he comes as angel of light. Look at him. He comes as an angel of light. An angel of light. You see, these folks, I've learned, is, is, is they really don't care about your spiritual maturity. They're fake. They're fake. They're phony. They don't really want to talk about holiness of life, submission to authority, walking and self-sacrificing your life for the king. Everything evolves around other issues, but not that. They will destroy your life. They will destroy your life. They'll ruin it. They'll come and, and, and do all these things. They'll ride on all the, the things that you're doing and God is doing to you. you got to be aware of them. But true people, listen to me, true people, true friends, true brothers and sisters in the Lord, they don't care about all of that. They care about your spiritual growth. They care about how your marriage is. They care about how your spiritual walk is. They care about what God is speaking to you. Are you reading your Bible? Have you been hearing from the Lord? They care about those things. They walk with you on those things. They challenge you on those things. They don't care about how much you give to the church and your tithe. They don't care how if you're here to fill a seat, to raise the attendance. That doesn't matter to them because they care about God's call on your life. And so that you can be all that you can be. So that you can walk in the fullness that God has for you. Come on. That's true people. That's true churches. That's true men and women of God. You got to watch out. Here's a, here's a historical example, and then we're going to wind this thing down. I, I, you know me, I, I did a lot of history. And uh, just to show you how the, how the enemy will come as an angel of light. My goodness. So, in, in, in researching the history of the Carolinas, revival, politics, all those stuff, I came across a research study one time on the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Now, I know probably everybody in this room has heard of the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. And I would venture to say almost everybody in this room understands what they believe in and what they stand for. But back when they formed, there was not that public opinion or consciousness. They formed in the 1870s after the Civil War. And we know what their agenda was, right? Their agenda was racism. It's white supremacy. Rid black folk, mixed folk, even Jews, all out of the community in the South. And they did it by intimidation and terrorizing. They were a secret group, a society. Now, that's fact. That's truth. <laughs> but here's what a lot of people don't know about the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. You know, when they formed their organization, they formed what you call a delegation. I like the Gibeonites. And in their bylaws, the original bylaws were published in 1925. 
And in the original bylaws, they had to state their mission statement. Do, do you want to know what the mission statement is for the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan, even today? It said, above all, we will be known as a charitable organization that looks out for the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Now, what in the world is that all about? Because let me go we'll walk you into history. See, after the Civil War, 600,000 men had been killed. Well, if 600,000 fathers were dead, who was left? Orphans and widows. 600,000 fathers are now gone, so that's 600,000 wives without husbands and children without daddies. Here comes the, the knights. They have no economic gain. They have no health care system. They have no education for their children. They have no possibility. The South is devastated. Reconstruction. There's no hope. It's, 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 it's chaos. And so what happened is they come into these towns and these groups and they say, hey, we can, we can offer programs that will benefit your children. We can provide some health care. We can look out for some insurance policies that you may need to help you. But you do have to support who we are in the agenda that we carry. You see how that works? He comes looking so good, but inside it's a ferocious wolf. And usually it's high level, whatever that is, it always looks like the best and the greatest. But that's why you have to seek it out and seek the Lord. Wrapping up here, last few moments. Here's a question I have for you. How do we protect ourselves from the Gibeonite deception? Last scriptures, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 2. How do we protect ourselves? All right, Mike, you, you're laying this out, but like, what do we do now? How do we, how do we watch out for this? How do, we, how do we watch out for this attack? In Deuteronomy chapter 7, you see there's something here that we forgot about, that Israel forgot about. In Deuteronomy 7, you see, when God sent them over to, to the land, he gave them a set of instructions. Listen to this, verse 1. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, the Hivites, there they are, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And then when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally, totally, totally. Make no peace treaty with them. Show them no mercy and do not intermarry with them and do not give in to their daughters or their sons or they'll take their daughters for your sons and they will turn you away from following me and serving other gods. Serving other gods. Listen. I want to share this revelation with you. I used to think for the longest time how harsh that was for God to send Israel into a land and to murder children and women. I mean, that almost seems harsh, don't it? A lot of people who don't have a good handle on the Bible will say, that's the God of the old covenant, man. He don't do that no more. That's, that's, under, that's under law. But what that is is that you, show, you don't have a framework of the whole of Bible. Because let me tell you what Genesis 15, 16 says. All before this, when Abraham 
God prophesied to Abraham all of this was going to happen. And in Genesis 15, 16, God said to Abraham, look, Abraham, your people are going to grow up. They're going to go in slavery for 400 years. For 400 years, they're going to be slaves in another nation. Your descendants, your people, your children's children are going to be enslaved in captivity. Why? Because until the sin of the Amorites reaches the full measure in the full measure of time, then they will come back into the land and I'll give it to them as their possession. What does that mean? God gave these nations 400 years to repent. 400 years to come back. 400 years to turn to him. 400 years to seek him. But they went and they turned their back and they engaged in child sacrifice, offering their babies to statues and murder, genocide. They engaged in sexual orgies for temple prostitution and worship. They had all kind of corruption at the economic, political, and social levels. They were disdained. They were distraught. Does it sound familiar? They preached tolerance over hate. They preached those things. They accepted all things because all faiths lead to heaven. All gods will grant you salvation. But what happened? God gave them 400 years. And when they didn't, they hit a moment where they were beyond redemption. So, and consistent with his word, he says, I have the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. So he took his inheritance, his people, saw the Canaanites and said, well, you're not stewarding what I gave you well, so I'm going to take you out and I'm going to put my people into that land, the land flowing in milk and hungry, hungry, honey. What are you saying, Mike? Here's the deal. They had a promise. God gave them a promise. Look, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to provide welfare for you. I'm going to provide health care. I'm going to watch over them to bless the fruit of your womb. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. But you got to do one thing. you got to drive the enemy out. See, a lot of us have a promise from God, but we're not walking in it. Why? Because the enemy has not been driven out. In order to possess the promise, you got to drive them out. Totally. All the way, all the way, all the way, gone, out, throw it. I know this shirt's too small, but you got to throw it. <laughs> Listen to me. I couldn't just get rid of cocaine. I had to get rid of marijuana. I couldn't just get rid of marijuana. I had to get rid of pills. I just couldn't get rid of pills. I had to get rid of pornography. Couldn't just get rid of pornography. I had to get rid of cigarettes. Couldn't have one thing and want to, it doesn't work that way. You have to drive it out total, total, totally, all gone, all gone. It's got to all go. It's got to all go. That friendship's got to go, guys. Come on, this is Gibeonites. You're smarter than that. Watch who sits at your table. You gotta throw it out. The benefit of that is you possess the promise. What promise? That your children are gonna be blessed, that your lives are gonna be blessed, that you're gonna have income, finances, resources, that God is gonna walk with you, your marriage is gonna come together, your things are gonna come together, there's gonna be plans and purposes for your life. That's the promise. But many people say, My, why isn't that? Why is this not happening to me? Why is it not happening to me? And we begin to have a walk. And we begin to say, well, who's sitting at your table? And what Gibeonites have you befriended along the way? 
they put a lodge between you and the blessing. But God says, not anymore. Not anymore. We're going up, y'all. We're going up. Hear this word this morning. Possess the promise. Drive out the enemy totally. Recognize who's Gibeonites and who's not. Recognize if teaching is condemning or convicting. Gibeonite teaching, false teaching, it's condemnation. There's a condemnation tone that comes to it. But teaching that is pure from a pure heart will convict men rather than condemn them. You have to know the difference. Test the spirits, the Bible says. Test the spirits. Judge the prophetic words over your life. Filter them out. Don't just go what I tell you. Don't go what Pastor Tom tells you or other ministers or pastors. I mean, you receive it, but you have to filter that out for yourself. Because a lot of times, we're human and we're going to make errors and flaws. I tell people real quick and real close, listen, I'm going to let you down. I'm a man. I am going to let you down. That's just bottom line. I'm going to let you down. As a leader in this church, I'm going to let you down because I'm a man and I make mistakes, but I'm going to try my best to do the right thing and be obedient to what God says. But I'm encouraging you, don't feed off of me and don't be connected like to me and one but be connected to God be connected to the father be connected to him cut your teeth in the place of prayer and intimacy everything God has given me revelation wise I've been in college for years I'm still in college I have learned some good things it's been great I love school I do I love it but man some of the best nuggets of wisdom some of the best direction and advice and counsel that I ever received wasn't from a man it was from the Lord in my car telling me son don't go this way give me in a dream and saying watch out Mike there may be some seduction around your corner don't put yourself in a position to be seduced Woo! Jesus, my God. Thank you, Lord. Stand with me, please. My God. Thank you, Father. I'm going to call the worship team back up if they could come up for a few moments. I know we ran a little bit late, but I want to take a moment and just mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. I had to release that this morning. It's not the favorite kind of word, but I, I felt it so strongly in my spirit. You heard Karen's prophetic word. She didn't know that this morning. She said, there's traps being set out. There's things being set out. But the Lord's got a promise for you. He's going to bring that promise about. Look at that. We were singing the worship this morning. Look at that. Look where the weight fell. The promises of God. They're faithful. They're yes and amen. So I want to remind you this morning that you have a promise. And it's not designed to be locked up in your journal. Man, that promise is designed to be active in your life. It's designed to be active in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just, let's just meditate on them for a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just begin to block out everything right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, it's really for our benefits that the Lord protects us from relational damage control and things that can come and, and happen. We all have the same thing. We want to stay in a place of love. We want to love people. We want to be forgiving. We want to be reconciling. We do. But sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you just got to let people go. Sometimes you just got to let people go and trust the Lord.
Yes, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you right now. I just want you to see for a moment, if you just clear your mind and your heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was almost destroyed by Gibeonite. I didn't recognize it. Came into my life. I couldn't recognize it. And at the end of the day, when all of it was said and done, I almost walked away with a deep seed of bitterness and anger in my heart. And then God reminded me, Michael, you're going to get hurt sometimes. And he said, you know what, Michael? My church, she fails. There's a lot of people that are wounded right now from the churches. A lot of people that have been... And, I, and I'm not saying we've handled it the right way. We've not. So many church leaderships, there's, there's no rubric for confrontation and release. And, you know, sometimes it can get messy. Sometimes hurts and wounds come up. And what I often see is that people begin to form cliques and groups and packs. And they say, well, I'm done with church. Can't be to that church. It can't, can't be right because of how they work and how they do. That's where I was. That's where a Gibby night had me in my life. But I thank God for a spiritual woman who came to me, set me down. And you know what she said to me? She said, Michael, do you, do you love Jesus? I said, yes, ma'am. You know I do. She said, do you really love him? I said, I, I really do love him. She said, Michael, you can only love Jesus as much as you love his bride, no matter how messed up she is. Like an arrow in my heart, I begin to see that day that sure the church is messed up sometimes. But I'd rather be part of a community and I'd rather be part of a larger narrative and a bigger picture of what God is doing than try to make my own vision happen. This morning, I just feel the Lord wants to wash love over you. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no things. And I, I just feel that some of you, maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's been some Gibeonites that have come into your life. Maybe not recognized it. Maybe not recognize them. But it's okay. The Lord's bringing clarity today to release that, to, to show you another way. To show you another way. To lead you and, and free you from any traps of the enemy. And to walk you into destiny. To walk you into what he's truly calling you to do. And so this morning, I just felt, as, as we worship a little bit, if you're here, and I feel like there's just some folks you need to do business with the Lord, I want you to call you forward right now. Anyone here in this room, if you feel like there's been uh, a situation where, where there's been allegiances made or alliances made, there's been friendships made or, or something along the way that you maybe didn't see or something that you just want to get prayer for and love for, just, I want you just to come on down here. And, and as you do, I just want to tell you that the promises are true.
The promises are true. They're yes and amen. You know, God promised me. He said, Michael, when I was in a drug rehab center, you're going to go and preach the gospel one day. You're going to preach the gospel. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. You're going to lead a lot of people to the Lord. That was the promise he gave me. But he said, but you got to drive out pornography and addiction completely out of your life. You mean too much to me to be a hypocrite. There's too many of those out there. He said, I want you to be genuine and authentic, not perfect. But I want you to be real and I want you to be transparent. And I'm tell you what, God honors his promise. I just want to, I just feel to lead us in it, and it's just a prayer. Whew, Jesus. Father, I just, I just want to ask you right now that, I just want to say I'm sorry, Lord. And I repent. I just repent, Father, of, any, of anything that I have committed and done and said things that I have entertained and brought into my life and I didn't recognize it Lord Lord I lay that before you this morning as a church we lay that before you this morning the Bible says we all fall short and we fail but Lord your word is true and your promises are yes and amen Lord and you will be faithful. You will be faithful. So I want to invite you here this morning. Just there's a few more. Come on up and do business with the Lord. I knew I had this word from God. He gave me a dream about it. The Lord is unraveling you right now. I, I just see that prophetically. Some of you are being unraveled right now. He's unraveling you. He's unraveling the lies. He's unraveling. He's giving you insight. He's giving you clarity. He's unraveling things right now. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You're so kind, Father. You're so kind. Let's just, let's just worship Him, guys. Let's just begin to worship the Lord.